Welcome to the Crackpots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And Habakkuk. 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 Yeah, what is it? What is, where is the, where's the, the emphasis supposed to be? I don't know. I didn't bother looking. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't, because even if I knew how to do it, I'd probably still wind up going, wait a minute, which way is that? Right. Um, it, it's, it's remarkable how many times, like, you, you, you get familiar with the pronunciation, whether it's right or wrong, and then right. you, you learn the correct pronunciation, and you're like, oh, it's this. And Habakkuk then, is the correct according to Google. Okay. Well, what does Google know? Um, but it's amazing how many times you learn the, the correct pronunciation. You go, oh yeah, that's what it is. And then that's not what comes out. You revert back to whatever you're, you're used to, you're used to yeah. saying. So. Well, luckily I'm used to doing it apparently the correct way. As is not shocking. Mine is incorrect. <laughs> the, the, the emphasis according to, to, um, Google uh, is that it is on uh, the first syllable, so Habakkuk. Huh, cool. Yep. I'll say it wrong next year, too. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and probably throughout the podcast. Here's the fun part, is like our people don't know the difference and don't really care. So. And again, if you are one of the readers um, ever in, in any congregation I ever serve, my general rule is say it with conviction. Yep. Because it's much better if you just own it and say it with conviction than you uh, just, just say it, just like let her fly. And unfortunately, that sometimes does not bode well, and we get some really funky pronunciations. And, and even some funky pronunciations of words that are a little more, or names that are a little more standard. But anyway, I digress. Yep. So... That prophet it, guy. Anyway, this prophet dude. Prophet H. <laughs> it's like a secret agent. Prophet H. Prophet H1. <laughs> oh, it can't even be prop because there's a Hosea too. Uh, actually, there's also a Haggai. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, you've, you've got and and if you get into there isn't a book, but there is also the prophetess Holda. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's a lot some, of H prophets. You got some H prophets in there, yeah. So, anyway, so with Habakkuk. Habby. <laughs> Habby. That's what Habby. Prophet Habby. We're off to a flying start here. My God, if anybody's still. First we might, three minutes. We might as well garbage. not even bother because nobody's listening anyway. They just like, forget it. They're, they're, they're going to be on tangents today. This is what happens when we record at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we go on tangents because you're awake, but I'm not. Well, I mean, so, I'm always on tangents, so really timing is nothing. Yeah, this, this is true. Anyway, prophet heavy. Anyway, the prophet. So time period is like when the Babylonians are invading. So he's a bit of a... Contemporary with Jeremiah. Yep. So, um, and to some degree, even Ezekiel, because Ezekiel was a bit of pre and then post-exile. So, so the other prophetic warnings came true. 
Correct. Right? It happened. Yes. Because we, we had talked before about, you know, the warnings. Hey, listen, y'all don't turn around. Y'all are going to get wiped out. Right. Yeah. It's the, and if it, you keep going down this road, guess what's going to happen? Yep. And now... They kept ha going Habakkuk down this is, road. Yeah. Habakkuk is sort of sitting there going... So why is this happening? <laughs> See, I mean, you kind of want to be like, dude, did you not pay attention to your predecessors? Just like, they told you why this is happening. But um, he at least recognizes what the problem is. Yes. He's like, so the, so the problem is there is injustice. Um, our, you know, the people of Judah are, are just not getting it. They're behaving badly, and God needs to do something about it. Um, and, and I appreciate the, God, why don't you come fix this? Because <laughs> apparently we've totally given up on people fixing themselves. <laughs> God, well, it, it is, come fix it. it it's kind of interesting that, and I don't, I don't know that it, it comes off this way, but it's like, all right, there's no human responsibility. I know that's not what he's saying. He's like, listen, he, so instead of saying there's no human responsibility, God fixed this, he's, I think it's more of a, we have literally screwed this up over and over and over and over. The only way that this can get fixed is if God fixes it. Right. It, it, it's the... Um, it's more of a throw your hands up in the air and say, humanity, what? Come on, seriously. Right. But here's the thing. I get it. Oh, oh me too. I mean, I, I told, like I said, I feel a kinship with, with Habakkuk because he really it expresses some of the things I tend to feel on a very regular basis. I, I, I feel like, you know, Habby's conversation with God and God's response is like, same, man, same. Oh, I know. Right? I, I, like, I seriously, when it was, you know, Habakkuk's crying out going, what's with these people? God's just sitting there going, I know, right? Tell me about it. <laughs> I was like, y'all suck. <laughs> I've tried Which... and I've tried and I've tried. I am your God and you are my people and I've committed and I've committed and I've committed. And So nothing. I had a problem this weekend when I was giving my sermon because it, what I just said was exactly how I wanted to say it was, yeah. was the whole... You know, right? Y'all suck. My problem is I know that the word suck in a sermon sometimes does not go over real well with certain people. Yeah. So I stop myself. It's unbecoming of a pastor to say sucks. Yeah. Um, and so, and I did one time accidentally in an interview sermon in my first call, like they hadn't called me yet and I was giving a sermon and I was so good for the first, um, uh, at that point in time we had four services. So for, for like the first three services... I was good, and at that last service, it slipped out. And I, I, instead of stinks, I said sucks. And I kid you not, later on, when I was having a conversation with one of the parishioners, you know, I'd gotten to know them fairly well. So, I mean, like, this is a year later or so. This parishioner, and I said something about, yeah, I try not to, you know, say this. I know I slipped up one time, you know, when I was giving, and, and he goes, oh, yeah, I noticed that. And it, it gave me pause. And I was like, dang. <laughs> He's like, I still voted for you. But I was like, woo, did she just say that? Well, I, one, of, one of my first sermons um, in Gainesville, my first call, I used the word um, 
screwing around. Oh, look at you. As in the kids were screwing around on the escalator. Instead of messing around. And I used the word putz. And after the sermon, I think it referred to myself as a putz. And after the sermon, in case y'all haven't noticed, like my language can be a little salty. Um, and this, I don't think this is what Jesus means by salt of the earth, though. But right, yeah. no. So one of the ladies in the congregation said to me, she said, your, your words were a little, um, and I think she may have said salty. You, you're, you're, you were a little salty today. Your, your language was a little salty today. I'm like, oh my God, what did I say? Right. And I'm like, literally, I'm like racking my brain going, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? And I said, what? And it's, finally, I just asked, because I'm like, I don't think I... I don't think I dropped an F-bomb, and uh, I mean, I think I was, I was all right. And she told me, like, oh, oh, that, oh, thank God, I just, that's all I said? <laughs> We're good. Yep. Well, so anyway, I was trying to, you know, I, I, I had this way I wanted to deliver it, but I was like, okay, you have to remember not to say sucks, you have to say the word awful. Well, my brain short circuits in all three services, and I cannot think of the word awful, and so it does not come out the way I, I, will, I, I need to say it. I, ne- I never say the word. I never say it. It just it comes out stilted and not the way I wanted to say it. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is a lesson for me. And when you are trying to kind of, you know, do your little attitude thing, your attitude doesn't come off when you can't actually say what comes naturally. And so, you know, trying to change a word that I, do, I, I would not normally say when I'm in that voice, so to speak, is not something I should do. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if God would use the word sucks. I don't know. I don't know, but I do. So, But I guarantee you, whatever God's equivalent is, God speaks it. Right. Because I, there, there's so many points in, in Scripture, you know, where, you, where you're reading Scripture and you're digging in, and my, my, my overwhelming sense and takeaway is that almost a, almost a sense of pity for God, because God has given so much and done so much, and yet humanity has overwhelmingly, continually just missed the mark. Um, just missed the mark. I was, I was having a conversation yesterday. Um, yesterday on my day off, I got a, a text message from my wife. Hey, um, they need help painting the Christmas parade float for Friday night. <sighs> I, I hate to paint. I, I, it's not something that I enjoy. So I, I go and I'm painting and um, the in a conversation with another lady and we were talking about faith and, and sort of humanity's, you know, trek down the wrong path, for lack of a better way to put it. And, and one of the things that we kind, of, we, we kind of got to in this discussion is that, you know, the amount of times that it's people of faith that are, that are doing the harm and misrepresenting, and, and you alluded to this in your sermon as well, you know, the number of times that people of faith are the ones that are perpetrating these things that 
aren't reflective of, shouldn't be reflective of people of faith. Right. And it's like, well, and, and then, you know, so for me, then I take that a step further and go, when we look at, you know, the decline in people identifying as Christian and the, and the decline in, in organized religion, attendance in organized religion, you know, people sit in the pews and they ask themselves, and they go, well, I don't understand why. Well, oh, I can. Well, why? And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, you, like I, I, first of all, ask someone, ask someone who, particularly ask someone who, you know, is, who c- would consider themselves a Christian, who would consider themselves a believer, ask them why they, why they don't identify with church. They'll tell you. In case you can't figure it out, they'll tell you. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it's not hard to figure out. Like, like the, the church has, the church itself has, has missed the mark so often. And, you know, it's, it's something that, and, and I am not going to stand here and, and say, I always get it right, or we at Emmanuel always get it right. We don't. No, of course we, we don't. We, we flat out don't. Um, but I think we try, no, I know that we try and, and it's, it's, a, it's a refrain that I've said in staff meeting and in council meeting and, and in other conversations. I am of the belief that if, that if we continue to do the right thing, God will continue to guide us and lead us and work through us. Now, again, do we miss the mark sometimes? Absolutely. We absolutely do. Um, yeah, there's but, this whole balance between being a... What I would call, so, so Judah, you know, Israel was supposed to be kind of a model sort of thing of how, how to be. Yes. And I think we have missed that mark from the standpoint of we have not modeled the love of Jesus and, and, and that, that way that is life-giving for, for people. And at the same time, recognizing we are human beings who screw things up. Yep. And there's, there's this fine line between, okay, where, where is it? I'm, I'm a human being and I made a mistake. And I think part of it, again, is the acknowledgement and the repentance part yeah. of saying, you're right, this, this was not the way to do this. Well, I think, and let's change that. Yeah, and I think two areas in particular... Um, that you and I have really pushed back on that, frankly, have, have really made people mad. Um, one more, well, I think one more overtly than the other. But one is, is the, the whole pushback against you know, the Christian nationalism stuff. And, and we've been very intentional about, you know, church is church and patriotism is patriotism. And... You can be you can be super patriotic, um, and and wave flags and 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 go to parades and and I encourage you to do that. Um, support our troops. I think all those things are, are really important. They're just not why you show up to church. There is there is a difference, and, and I think you and I have been really, really, really adamant about that. And, and, it, and it has made some people mad. And it's, you know, 
we try to take that to, you know, then to the education piece and say, listen, this is why. You know, this is why. And, and you know, we just got through some texts where, you know, literally God is saying, no, 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 do not have kings. <laughs> right? I, and I get it. You know, we're a democracy. We're not, it's, it's all the same system. Right. Like, it, it, like it's, it's all the same. God said, no, 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 no. The problem Put, is propping up the elite in power. Right. Put me first, not these other things. And, and, it, and when you start bringing those other things in, it gets blurry. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? We're, we recognize that the current state of our country, it's gotten really blurry. And it shouldn't be. And we've made a pretty... We've made, and again, we have... We have lost members because, and we know this, we yes. know that we have lost members because we've taken that stand. Yes. And you know what? I and you and I are of the belief that this is, this is the right stance. And just because not everybody likes it doesn't mean you don't do it. Right. And that's hard. And, and then the other thing is, is trying to be more inclusive um, congregationally, including to the LGBTQ community. We've lost some folks because of that as well. Yep. And I firmly believe that, you know, it being inclusive and, 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 and sharing that, sharing that love of the love of Christ as, as I understand it, that it is the right thing to do. Again, sometimes that has consequences, but if we continue to do the right thing, we can point back and say, this is why. Scripturally, this is why. And I know for some people, especially the LGBTQ thing um, and being inclusive, and, and for, for some people, this, the scripture is more blurry. The scripture is more blurry, and I, and I understand that. But I also have wrestled with it enough that I, I still think it's the right thing. My conscience is clear. Let's put it that way. Same. And, um, and, and I think... I, let's, you know, let's put it this way. When I struggled, when I... Um, before I came to the affirming stance that I currently have. You know, it wasn't always there. Um, especially when, you know, back in 2009 and, and before, when there were all the conversations about the ordination of, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and part, and I'll be honest. Part of my issue was like, well, well, wait a minute. We're 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 going to be okay with with um, same gendered couples living together that aren't married. But me as a heterosexual person, I have to be married to be in a. Yeah, I was to me there was a that double standard there that kind of was Correct. was problematic. But that was Agreed. beside the point. Just be consistent. Right. I was like, just be consistent with what we're doing. Um, but. And, and I get, it got muddy because legalities and, you know, it wasn't yep. legal to be married and blah, blah, blah. So, but, I, you know, when I look back on, you know, sort of that time where I was really struggling with, I was struggling with scripture said versus what I was, you know, I mean, I came out of Hollywood. <laughs> and, you know, from, from my college days, whatever, I always had, you know, friends and people that I loved that were of the, the LGBTQ community. And so when I would see these things in scripture, it really, I struggled with it because I was like, 
This just, it didn't jive for me. It was like, well, wait a minute. If we're supposed to be, you know, this, this loving, inclusive, whatever, why then is there so much, so much exclusion? Yep. And so during my years of wrestling with it and, and trying to be faithful and, you know, do, you know, do what scripture says and all of this other kind of stuff, it was, it was very helpful. Um, seminary was helpful because you did get to dig into the original languages and you start realizing English translations mess things up. Yep. Big time. And started realizing, you know, oh, that Leviticus text is actually talking about um, an older man and a much younger, you know, boy. You know, there there are two different words at play there. Yep. And going, oh, whoa, wait a minute. That's not the same thing at all. (laughs) Nope. Um, you know, the Romans text, we're talking about it in the context of idolatry and, um, you know, the, some of the pagan practices and things like that. It's like, well, wait a minute. Um, this isn't, this is, this is not, That's what, same thing. it's not the same thing. So it actually, eventually for me, it was freeing and releasing to be able to be able to go, I can actually love people and not judge them and not be critical of them. And that was, for me, was, was kind of that, it, it opened up a whole bunch of things for me. We, it, we, it, it, believe it or not, love is freeing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it really is. It's, it's very freeing to be able to love people for who they are. When, when marriage equality passed in Florida, I was in Gainesville. Um, we decided to do the ELCA's Bible study. I don't remember what it's called. Um, the ELCA did a Bible Journeying study. Journeying together faithfully That's or what something it is. like that. And it's, it, it, it really presents both sides of the argument. Um, so we decided, I decided we were going pres- we to do that Bible study. And we were going to present it right down the middle um, and let people wrestle with it rather than you know, say, hey, this is, this is how you have to believe. Let people wrestle with it. And... For me, what was so remarkable, um, and, and really like stood like, like it was like a like a flashy light neon sign. Um, there was never a text from Jesus that that denounced it. And I'm like, wait a minute, like I know I know what Paul says, and I know Leviticus, and I know the translation issues and, and all those things. I, I get all that. And I'm like, but Jesus never, ever said anything. So. I mean, to be fair, Jesus is silent on a lot of issues that, you know, right, we would probably right. like him to clarify for us. But Co- Correct. But, but, most, <laughs> but most of but, those issues, yeah. Christians haven't taken to the streets to denounce. Right. Right? Like, so I'm like, well, if Jesus never didn't really hammer this home... Why is, it the, why is it the drumbeat of, of so many Christians? I don't get it. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a perfect example of how you can take pieces of Scripture and say, oh, well, Scripture is clear about this, and... Scripture isn't clear about a lot of things. No, but you, <laughs> you can say it is because Correct. you can read off a verse. You can, yes. You can proof text and say this. 
Um, you know, prime example is Paul tells slaves to remain slaves. Right. I mean, that's pretty clear. Yep. <laughs> and so for a long time, you have had lots of Christians who say slavery is just fine. But and, again, the arc of scripture and why we do the narrative right. lectionary is you look at the whole story and go, does that fit? Right? It does not. Does that fit? Yeah. And, and like it, it like really doesn't fit. Yeah. And I have no idea how we got here from Habakkuk. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because Habakkuk was, or Habakkuk. 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 <laughs> Habby. Habakkuk. Habby, Prophet Habby, you know, was, was, was saying, hey, listen, like, Injustice. We, it, it, we, it's we, going after that. We need to get back to where God is you know, following God and, and where God is leading us. And God, where you been? Like, throw us a bone here, man. Um. So I had somebody who <laughs> pointed out, you know, so many people will say that, you know, the problem with our society is because we allow, you know, all these other, you know, LGBTQ families, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what's, that's what's destroying society, apparently. Um, somebody say that this weekend or just... No, 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 no. This is, oh. this was somebody, this is okay. somebody I know that, that was, was pointing something out. Gotcha. And... You know, and you even have, uh, you know, in, in Colorado Springs, you have the focus on the family group, you know, blah, 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 where it's all about the family and blah. And this friend of mine goes, hey, didn't Jesus say if you don't hate your mother and your father? <laughs> it was like, well, so what does that do to that whole focus on the family thing? <laughs> and I was like, Wow. I mean, that is a prime example of how you can literally take any piece of scripture and make an argument for something. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's I always use the, the story of Jesus' temptation where Satan comes at him with scripture. Yep. Satan quotes scripture at him, and Jesus is like, yo, bro, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, scripture also says this. So Camden there had you a, go. Camden had a baseball hat when he was, when he was younger. Um, they had a picture of Jesus on it that said, come at me, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, but the, and the reality is, I'm sorry, that's not what... The, that's not what the problem is with our society. No. Our, um, our, our, our major problems are everything can always be boiled down to, to two primary things. Primar primarily power and greed. Yeah. And, and those become basically the driving forces behind injustice the hoarding of, of resources, it's why wars get fought, and it's why religion gets utilized as what I call a tool um, in order to secure power, in order to, you know, 
push, you know, your agendas of, of greed and, and whatever that gets you up into those, those upper echelons. Religion is too often wielded as a weapon. Right. So, and that's not what religion is meant for. When, when politicians start pulling the, the, the religion card, I usually start to tune out because I'm like, Barf. no, I, I don't care which way you're using it at this juncture, you're using it as a, a propaganda tool. Yeah, barf. Yeah. And so that, that's part of, for me, where um, you and I talk about the fact that religion and politics get intertwined because we live in a political world and our, our religion speaks into that. And at the same Hence time, the at the same time, it absolutely gets abused by it. Yeah. It, and, there's the, and there's the difficulty and there's the line of where, when are you using religion as a political bludgeon? And when are you using religion to push back against political yeah. forces that seek to do harm. Yeah. There's, I, I, I mean, there, there's that difference. There, there's, there's, whole, there's a whole section of the Bible called the prophets that largely speaking deals with God and politics, God and rulers, God and... and Kings and prophets. And, and leaders. Like, I, I mean, it, it's, it's literally... It, now, here's the thing. Like... We only have a problem with religion and politics if it's not your political flavor. Correct. Right? Like, like reg regardless of your political flavor, you only have a problem with religion and politics if, it's, if you feel like it's speaking against your flavor. Otherwise, like, yeah, we should talk religion and politics. Oh, but not that flavor. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me if they're, they're Republican, they're Democrat, or whatever. If they get up there and they start kind of spouting off some Bible verses, I start going, really? Well, if you're going <laughs> to spout it, that's fine. Just follow it. Like, do it. Well, the problem is, is when they, sometimes they, they, they follow it, but they're following whatever cherry-picked right. thing they've, they've chosen for that day, yep. or they're... They're misusing it, or they're—that's usually the problem. Right. Is it's being misused. It's being, um, like I said, it's being used as a bludgeon of some sort, um, uh, a way to sway people, a way to, you know. And for me, I'm like, that's not—that's what my—not what my faith is for. Um, it's not what it's about. But absolutely, my faith is about pushing back against. Um, when I see injustice, when I see those things, because that, that isn't what I feel called to, to be and to do and to live um, as a, quote, as, as part of the people of God. And, and I think that's Habakkuk's real frustration is, you know, the, the Israelites were supposed to be the, that group of people that, that modeled and showed the rest of the world what living like God's people was supposed to be. They were supposed to get it. Right. They were supposed to get it. They were supposed to look back and say, oh my gosh, remember when God did this really amazing thing for us and freed us and gave us like the, this, this, this model society that we were, how we were supposed to live. And we went, hey, we like what these other guys are doing instead. Yeah. So let's do that. I mean, it, it's, 
it's, it's that biting the hand that feeds you, so to speak. Yeah. You know, oh, you've, you've given me, so I'll give an example. So we had, we had someone who, when we were in Gainesville, was homeless. Um, and we said, hey, you know what? We, why don't, we, we played family promise. <laughs> hey, you know what? We got, a, we, got a, we got an air mattress and we got space. But I could charge your rent. Just get yourself back on your feet. We're going right. to give, give you a chance to reset. And we asked a favor one time. Hey, we've got this going on. Can, can you, can you kind of watch the kids you know, for these two days? I think it was Senate Assembly or something. And day before, backed out. Just went radio silence. And like, really, like we, we've, we've done a lot to try and help. And the only thing, this is the only thing we've asked for. And when we got back from that trip, um, this person was sitting in front of our garage door crying. And I said, I, I don't want to hear it. You need to get your stuff and get out. And I don't care where you go. It was really hard. Oh, um, I, you and I have both right, right. experienced people who take advantage yeah. of, of generosity and things like that. And it was just like, like seriously, like we have literally opened our home made you know brought you in as a part of our family like with with our kids and yep. like like really tried to show you what a loving family is and you so it's kind of it's kind of the same thing here like like god has done so much for 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 the israelites and so much for you know i led you out of slavery i you know i part of I, I literally part of the red sea for y'all and right. I, I destroyed an empire for you. Right. And you <laughs> literally just said, yeah, no, we're going to try that instead. I've showed you how to live. If you, if you live in this framework, like these, follow these, these laws, and, and I'm going to make it really simple. I'm just going to give you 10 of them. Just, just follow these 10, and, and I got you. And they're like, nah. Like, I, I, just, I can't imagine how incredibly, and I said this earlier, I can't imagine, imagine how incredibly frustrated and heartbroken God, because that, that, that experience for, for me and my family was heartbreaking. Right. Because, oh, yeah. Right? I, like, oh. like it, it's hard, like, and, totally. and, that, and that's me on a much smaller scale. Well, and, not only is it heartbreaking, but then it makes you very leery of doing it again yeah, for anybody. I mean, that, that becomes the problem is that then you're like, okay, so who isn't going to take advantage of me? Who isn't going to do? Right. You know, and, and that becomes kind of the, um, you know, your, I, I think where a lot of the cynicism of a lot of people come in when they say, well, you know, these people, they just take advantage and take advantage and take advantage. And I understand feeling that way because I've experienced it myself. I have been taken advantage of. I have had people who yep. have taken my goodwill and my generosity and basically thrown it in my face and um, betrayed me or, you know, taken me to the cleaners or whatever. 
and and it's hard. It, it's really hard to. <laughs> my problem is though is that I'm still a softy, yep, and so same. as soon as somebody comes, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, let me help you, and I go through the cycle all over again, and then I'm you know like I am so stupid because here I am doing it again. <laughs> well, and and, and the say, the say, the saying is. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Correct. Right? Yes. So lots of shame on me because but, I right. keep doing it. Um, but if look, apl apply that, apply that to God, right? Yeah. Like, no, I know. And like, fool me once, shame on on me. Fool yeah. me twice. I, I mean, God's God gotta be keeps like doing it. God keeps coming back. God, I mean, God's a glutton for punishment. Yeah. Um, because yeah, God just kind of keeps coming after us. Keeps coming back for us. Keeps wanting to have this relationship keeps wanting us please just can you guys do this <laughs> can you please just not muck this one up um and it's that was muck by the that way that was muck yes that was muck m i heard the m m um if you want to insert a different letter that applies to <laughs> This is a family podcast, you know. <laughs> is, it is it though? <laughs> Maybe we need to put a warning on it. Yeah, we put a warning label when you know you you upload things and it says is this safe for children? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Oh wait, maybe not. It's all relative. <laughs> it's the Bible after all, and I definitely tell people the Bible is not safe for children. But anyway, um, no, you know, and and I kind of pointed out. I said, you know. Habakkuk gets kind of ticked off at God when God's response and answer is to say, you know what, you're right. So I'm bringing the Babylonians in, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. They're way worse. What the heck? How, how is that an appropriate response, God? And I bring this up in my sermon, and I go, well, there was that whole, I'm just going to flood the earth and get rid of y'all. <laughs> So, I mean... And it's like, it's really not... First of all, it's a low bar. Yeah. And second of all, it, like, it's not a competition, right? Like, well, we're yeah. better than they are. It's, it, so it's, the, it's, it's that, I don't know how the... I don't, my mind is, is with, going to blank with, right now. But it's like, how do you serve... You, when, when, if a bear's chasing you, you just have to be faster than the slowest the, person. Right. Well, I was going to say, and it's also with great responsibility, you know, or whatever. All right, with, with great Man. power comes great responsibility uh, or something like okay, that. Okay, Uncle Ben. Um, and... Spider-Man, not Rice. Yeah. I, um... But, you know, there... Actually, the Bible says that. that that's actually... a quote from Jesus, you know, that says, right. to, to whom much has been given, much is expected. Right. And I think that's part of the problem with, you know, with the Israelites was they were given this responsibility. They were given so much. And so it's kind of like, you know, the, the more there's an expectation, kind of the harder you fall. So maybe, maybe that expectation. So the Babylonians, there was no expectation that they were going to be this good society. Maybe, maybe Luther got it wrong. Like maybe the first time. Maybe that whole grace thing is 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 crap. You know okay, what? Maybe, I don't know about maybe that. you have. To, maybe we should have to earn something with God. Okay, so they can't see my this facial expression. I always forget that this is a podcast, and they can't see me giving you a certain look. 
I, so I, I, say, I say that very much tongue-in-cheek yeah. because I recognize the need for grace and the reality that we could never pay back. However, I However, think, I think yeah. as Bonhoeffer said, cheap grace. You know, we, we have taken this idea of cheap grace way too far, right? Yes. Like, oh, well, you know, we're... Part, part of our problem is we've removed the notion of repentance. Right. And I think that's the key element what, what, that, that has gone out the window. I think we've lost the repentance piece, but we've also lost that self-reflection piece. We, well, that's part of right, repentance. Right, I, I mean, mean, I mean, we say, oh yeah, I'm sorry, but we, we've, we've lost that ability to just look in the mirror and say, this is where I've fallen short, or this is, you know, and without that self-reflection, there can't be repentance. And repentance is one of those big churchy words, and we go, oh, repentance, blah, blah, blah. But really what it boils down to is, is, is self-reflection, is to be able to look and say, hey, that's me. I've yeah. done that. The, fir the first step is to hold the mirror. Yeah. And, and yeah. this is what the prophet's job is. And we're the not willing to do that. The prophet's job is to hold up the mirror. Yeah. So I, that you're able to look in that mirror and go, oh, whoops. I had, I had somebody really push back one time, well, more than once, but really push back. <laughs> no. Against a sermon. And so I don't do that. Never had that happen. So then maybe that doesn't apply to you. Or maybe you need to look deeper. I don't know. But the fact that you had that visceral reaction to my sermon tells me that there's something there that touched a nerve. Right. And, and I think that's, you know... Again, I, I, will, I will more than happily sit down and, and, and have a discussion with someone who, who feels challenged or threatened by a sermon. I, I, I love to have those conversations. And there's a, yeah. and, so there's always a fine line, too, between being challenged and being traumatized. Right. Cor <laughs> so, correct. You know, correct. Your, your nerves get hit for different reasons. Correct. And, um, and I will always say, listen, like, ask yourself why. What led you to be that mad? What led you to be? Because it's often, it's often not the words, it's the experience. Well, and that's the thing is that, and, and there are other times that, okay, so there's, there's being ticked off because there's the mirror that's being held up. And there's being ticked off because I hear something that I know is dangerous and I know is harmful. And right. so these are two different things. Right. So the question is, are you ticked off because you're being convicted? Or are you ticked off because that's going to hurt that other person? Right. And to me, these are two very different things to be mad about in a sermon. <laughs> oh, def definitely. Um, you know, so it's like just because you're ticked off doesn't necessarily mean you're ticked off because you're being, you know, you're having the mirror held up. It sometimes can be because, oh, my gosh, that's a terrible thing to say and can be very harmful. Um, yeah. And being ticked off because, wait a minute, what are you saying about me? These instances were convicting. Yeah. It and, was convicting. And nine times out of ten, it's usually going to be the convicting piece um, of the mirror being held up, and you just kind of go, okay. And it's, you know, I think you, you and I talk about this all the time. I think what people don't understand is when we're giving, and this is part of why I did not want to become a pastor. I'm just flat out going to put that out there. 
Um, one of my reasons for, you know, my excuses of saying I do not, I, I have absolutely no business getting up there and telling other people how to live their lives. And that was what I told my pastor at the time when and he was like, you know, you, you should really think about going to seminary. And I just laughed. I said, no. I said, I have absolutely no business being up there telling other people how to live their lives because hello, mirror. And so I think what people don't get is that when we're up there preaching something, that mirror applies to us as much as it does to the people we're talking to. There's a reason I don't use you in my sermon. No, it's, it's an us and a we. Yeah. We do this. We collectively have this problem. And it's, it's a hard place to be in when you recognize that, yeah, I recognize this within myself, and I'm pretty sure I recognize it in a few other people, too. <laughs> and, and, it's, it's, and it's also not a, it's not an individual thing. It's no, a, it's a collective issue. It's collective, and it's systemic. Yeah. Th- those, are, those are really the, the issues we're, we're hammering home. But the problem is, is that a lot of our collective, the only way you get something to be collective is when you're individually, there there are enough individuals doing X, Y, and Z that it becomes a collective issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean the disciples. Yeah. Like it started with Jesus. Jesus called some disciples, some broken people. Like, I mean, we're not talking cream of the crop here. Jesus calls disciples and equips them and sends them out to spread the word. And, you know, we've been spending 45 minutes here, you know, talking about how bad things are and how, you know, blah, blah, blah. And one of the reasons that this particular text, I think, was put in the narrative lectionary for the first week of Advent is to kind of highlight what the point of Advent is. Because all too often for us, Advent's like, ooh, okay, yay, you know, good time. Time to Christmas shop. Yeah, time to do the Christmas shopping, which I'm not trying to tell people not to do, you know, that it shouldn't be a festive time. Yeah, you got to buy us some gifts. Go Christmas shopping. Yeah, it should absolutely be a festive time. I'll send you all my Amazon wish list. But at the same time, the purpose of Advent, of why it was, like, turned into part of the church year, was it supposed to be a time for self-reflection. It's supposed to be a time where we hold that mirror up and say, wow, look at all the things that need fixing, so to speak. Um, and, and where do we ultimately have to turn for that fixing? Because, I, I mean, you know, we've been doing this for a few thousand years now, and we keep not quite getting it right. And so where is that light? Where is that light in the darkness? Yeah. Because we look to ourselves to be the light. It, it, you're not going to find it. It's a, it's a strobe light. Yeah. <laughs> and so we need that, the light, that other light, <laughs> so to speak. We need that other light to turn to, um, to guide us, to show us 
to, to reveal things. This is, you know, kind of the thing about light, what it does is, the nice thing about living in the dark is you don't get to see. <laughs> you know, you know what I what I mean. You know, it's it's you don't see. This is this is kind of the beauty of the symbolism of the light and the dark is that when you're you're living in the dark, you don't see all the problems. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, you don't see all the problems. So on the one hand, um, the light shining in the darkness, like oh yay, you know, there's light, but it also does this thing called it reveals all of the stuff. You're yeah. suddenly able to now see everything that's around you, and you're like, oh. I, I know. I know. As parents, we we try to protect our kids' innocence, like we like we don't like we want them to grow up, but we don't really want them to grow up. And you try and protect that as long as you can, and then when when those for me as a parent, those those moments where that innocence is is taken are, are really hard. So. For instance, um, the first time my kids came home and talked about active shooter drills in school. That, that, that taking away of innocence was one of, it was, it was just, it was so, like I literally, I, I left the room and cried. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just so gut-wrenching that, that for that, 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 law, that, that, light, that light came on and that darkness wasn't there anymore for my kids. And it's like, oh, man, like that. Yeah. This is, you know, I have always, um, like I said, the, the, the whole image of light in, in darkness, um, I, I think people don't really spend a lot of time thinking about what that really means. Um, you know, they see it as, oh, okay, there's our, our beacon of hope that we, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, you know. It's like, okay, we can get it there. And it's like, well, a lot comes with that. And, and you know, it's kind of like, we, we've talked about this before, you know, the whole law gospel kind of thing where it's like, well, kind of depends on how you hear things, where you're situated, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, so things being illuminated can be both good and bad. Yep. It can show you good things and it can reveal some of the bad things. It can reveal some of those things you would rather keep hidden. You would, you know, some yeah. of those things you're like, oh, maybe I didn't want to see that. Maybe I didn't want to know about that. Maybe there's, let's, let's, let's. There's, an, there's an insurance agent in town that at the chamber breakfasts when he gives his, everybody stands up and, hi, my name's, hi, I'm Pastor Chad, Emmanuel Lutheran Church. Um, this one guy stands up and he says, you know, we're blah, blah, blah. I should know the name. We're blah, blah, blah insurance. We cover, we're, we're like your grandmother's nightgown. We cover everything. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. We got to yeah. be better. I, that's a, we, we've got to be better. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, for Advent, for me, that light is not just a, oh, okay, there's hope, there's blah, blah, blah. It's also that, that time of revealing of, yeah. okay, you know. Well, I, think, I think that light is, it's both. It's a it, both. That's what I mean. Right, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a both, both and. and. It's a both it's and. A, it's a, hey, here is a light on all the ways in which we're trash. Right. And that's really harsh, and I apologize. But here's all the ways in which we're, we're screwing things up. Yeah. And also, this light is the hope 
of what things can be and should be. Right. So it's that, it's that duality of so the, of the light. So you've been sitting in a dark theater watching a movie. And I hate that. You, you, you're, you're done with the movie. Lights come up a little bit. You can kind of see to get your, your way out. You open that door and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and that sun, and there's not a cloud in the sky. And what happens when you walk out of that movie theater? Can't see a darn thing. That's right. You are blind. <laughs> you are completely blind um, for a little bit until you kind of adjust. And so it's kind of one of those things, well, light does that too. It can blind you. It can completely, it can paralyze you. Um, you know, to the point of, oh my gosh, now I, you know, things are so bright now that I can't, I can't see anything. Um, and, and so there's just, there's so much involved in what that symbolism, that imagery evokes during Advent and, and what it's meant to accomplish. Yeah. And I, I think all too often we focus only on one element of it. And, and for me, I'm like, you know, I think we need to remember that light serves so many different functions. And yeah, it's that hope. It's that, it's that shining example. It's that thing you cling to. It's that thing you want to go toward um, because you want to be able to see. You don't want to stumble around in the dark. You want to quit stubbing your toes. Um, but then you get to start to see what you're stubbing your toes on. And the question is, do you keep stubbing your toe or do you start cleaning house? So I guess for me, that's, that's kind of the, you know, you're talking about, well, maybe it's not about, you know, maybe it's not grace. No, no, no. There's the grace. And the grace also reveals to us, oh, we got some cleaning up to do. Yep. It's like, oh, yay for grace, yay for the light, yay for now I can see it. Now what am I going to do about yeah. it? Yeah. Right. And I mean, I can sit in the middle of my mess, but that doesn't get me any closer, any, it just, yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner is great. The mess to clean up when it's over is not. Ugh. Right? Like, right. I hate doing dishes. Me too. I love cooking. I hate doing dishes. Same. Because, you know, I'll get home and I'll be like, oh, I'd really like to fix this. And I'm like, oh, but that is going to involve this in terms of cleanup. And I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> so I wind up eating things I shouldn't <laughs> because things that are usually good and worth, you know, worth things that, 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 that is worth having, so to speak, you actually do have to put some effort into. Including your faith. Yup. So, on that note. <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> you are, are saved and loved by the grace of God, and now go do something with it. Yep. I mean, it's kind of the thing. It's, like I said, the Israelites, it was, here, yep. I've given you all of this freedom. I've given you all of these things. Go do something with it. Love in action. Yep. Love in action. Um, as we continue on into this, this Advent season, Advent 2, the text is Esther. 
Cool. For such a time as this, perhaps you have been put in this place for such a time as this. So we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> you're, you've got, you're not going to be here this I got brood of vipers. You get brood of vipers? Yep. Well, that's fun. Yeah, not looking forward to it. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Okay. We switched to the Matthew text by Advent 3. I haven't looked. No, no at Living Faith this week. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha. I was confused because I thought Sorry, you were I'm in Living Faith you, this week. When so, you come back, that, so, that was what you are. I was like, I don't think that's what's no, coming up. No, Brood of Vipers is oh, this yeah. week in the Revised Common Lectionary. So, this is what I find so funny is people are like, oh, well, the Revised Common Lectionary Advent's so much nicer. I'm like, really? Brood of Vipers is a better text? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pastor Chad is going to be filling in for Pastor Marianne over at Living Faith, so he will not be here this weekend for all nine people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> They'll be in the know. <laughs> no one else will. Yeah, so. They'll be in the darkness. That's right. They will be in the dark. But you have had the light illuminate what's, why Pastor Chad will not be here this weekend. So, all right, guys. We will talk to you about Esther next week. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.